0: Following what really excites you, be willing to take smart risk, and if you surround yourself by good people, you'll have the team that you need to solve challenges that you encounter.
1: The oil and gas industry, the driving engine of the world economy, delivering prosperity, innovation, and abundance across the globe. Here are the stories of its key players directly from the leaders themselves. This is Oil & Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, where real experiences are passed on from the leaders of today to the leaders of tomorrow. Here is your host, Paige Wilson. Welcome back to another episode of Oil & Gas Industry Leaders Podcast, sponsored by AWS Energy. Before I introduce this week's guest, I wanted to please ask everyone to support the show by taking a few moments to leave a review on iTunes like I do every week. And this week, I actually have something to read. So we've got a five-star review, and it, the title is Well Done. Been a big fan of this show and page for a long time. Always great to hear the backstory of the leaders of our industry. Plus, I always learn something new. The interview with Peter Duncan was outstanding so much that I made my wife listen to it. She's in the industry too, just not a podcast listener. Well, now she is. Paige, have you ever thought about publishing a list of your books with your guests recommend? What, that would be super useful and you could simple list the Amazon links. Hint, hint. Actually, I have a list, so I just need to make it public. I had my admin assistant working on that. So shout out to KWIPS1977. All right. So I'm sitting here this afternoon with Eric Cauldron, Chief Executive Officer of Power Century. Eric, how are you?
0: Hey, good afternoon. It's good to be here. I'm doing well, aside from the weather that we're dealing with in Houston. <laughs> certainly. Yeah, no kidding. Your start to the week so far.
1: Yeah, so if listeners, if you hear thunder, it's nature. That's all I got for you. So Eric, let's discuss how you got started in the oil and gas industry.
0: So I got started in the oil and gas industry, actually intern when I was just out of high school. I had received a uh, school engineering at Texas A&M. Before that, I had actually never really worked closely in the oil and gas industry, nor I had any family. So the oil and gas industry was something I kind of got into just because I found the industry interesting. And Texas A&M gave me a scholarship to study petroleum engineering. So I decided I would jump into it. And shortly after making that decision, I got an internship with Anna Darko. And that was really the start without any looking back that would keep me going in the oil and gas industry.
1: That's awesome. So so you just got a scholarship and then jumped in with both feet. What were you doing at Anadarko?
0: I worked as an engineer in their enhanced oil recovery division out in the, in the Rockies. So we were based in Houston, but doing enhanced oil recovery for the Rockies, which, you know, as a young engineering student, that was where some of the really advanced technical work was happening. And so it was a great place to just uh, be able to sit in the background and absorb some of that knowledge. And. I think what I really learned by working at a big company like Anadarko was just how much an engineer could do in the oil and gas industry, whether it was truly technical work like we were doing in that particular group, or seeing engineers that had moved into more business like roles or commodity marketing roles or just other roles within the organization. What I really took from that was getting an engineering degree was really the way to enter the oil and gas industry. What you chose to do once you entered it was. To be pretty uh, vast, and that's what excited me about staying in the petroleum industry.
1: It is definitely exciting. It's never a dull moment. So what'd you do after that?
0: So that was an internship, of course, so I stayed focused on, you know, being a good student and uh, continued my studies at Tech. <laughs> and then after graduating, I took my first job out in West Texas. So I was working in the Permian Basin for Concho Resources. At the time, Concho was definitely not a small company, but smaller than they are today, and so I got to join as one of the first kind of new hires out of college there at the company. And what excited me about going to work for Concho was my ability to be able to go out there and work in the office and also work in the field. And those two things not be more than just 15 minutes away from each other. And so Midland was a, a wonderful place where I spent a couple of years being able to just learn the industry Think um, steel toe boots and a hard hat were as commonly worn as anything else when I was out there. So I really got to learn the industry and see it firsthand. And in that few years that I was there, I did everything from actually working as a as a pumper out in the field to working in drilling and operations. And so really got to put the engineering degree to work during my time out there in West Texas.
1: So any other engineers play practical jokes on you while you're out like your first
0: time out in the field? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's definitely a par for the course out there. I think we would have the most fun at times when, you know, some of the critters of West Texas would be out by the well sites, whether that'd be a rattlesnake or a spider or something of that effect, you could usually have a Ugh. someone <laughs> out there. <laughs> you know, that's kind of all part of it. You know, you certainly go through the kind of norms of, you know, being the new guy out there and, you know, kind of having to work the the shift late at night or kind of having to go and, and be the first one to get your hands dirty. And that's just all part of cutting your teeth.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So after what happened along with Concho?
0: Yeah. So I stayed at Concho for a few years and then I left to go to business school. And so as I kind of noted earlier, my time at Anadarko kind of showed me the wide number of options that an engineer could follow in an oil and gas company. And I thought that getting my MBA would be an important next step. And so I left Concho and moved from West Texas to the Northeast. And I went to business school, Harvard Business School. And so it was definitely a
1: change. Oh, I think I've heard of that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> definitely a change in environment from the warm, you know, open lands of West Texas to the snow-filled, densely packed city of Boston, Massachusetts and got to spend a really exciting two years at Harvard Business School. And, you know, it was there where I got to really learn a bit more about the business side of the oil and gas industry. And, you know, specifically got to better understand where I wanted to kind of spend my career as a young, you know, engineer at the time going forward. And so my first year in business school was really a chance for me to grow. And then I spent, the summer between my first and second year of business school working in Congress. And so I was an energy intern for Speaker John Boehner at the time. So this would have been 2012. And that was a neat experience. You know, it it was a good time to be in D.C. because it was an election year. And so there was just a lot of excitement around Washington, D.C. because it was an election year. But also there was a lot going on in the oil and gas industry at that time. Hydraulic fracturing was getting a Close look by a lot of regulators, and uh, was certainly a topic of hot discussion during that time. And a lot was going on with renewable fuel standards and just kind of other things that were happening with the Obama administration at that time. And so, being able to bring a little bit of industry expertise to Washington and being able to be a part of Speaker Boehner's team was was really incredible. Just to get to see how much goes through that office, and you know, really how I could add. You know, value by just pointing to some of the experiences I had. A big part of the value, I would say, overall, that I got from the summer was a firsthand look at how policy, energy policy kind of gets started, how it becomes, you know, actual legislation and being able to meet the people that work on that every day was really an exciting part of the summer.
1: Oh, yeah, that's super neat. All right. So, what, what did you do after that?
0: Well, then I came back from my second year of business school, and that's when I really had a realization that. I wanted to follow an entrepreneur path. And I took a class on raising a search fund, which is this concept of right out of business school, being able to go out, raise capital and buy an existing company. Mm -hmm. This class was really interesting that I took and it really showed me a career path that I hadn't ever envisioned before. And so being able to think about jumping right into an entrepreneurial journey out out of business school at 26 years old was something that caused me a lot of excitement. And at the end of my second year, I actually had an opportunity to partner with two others out of business school who backed me with uh, equity capital to go and buy my own business. Mm-hmm. With that, I decided to give that a try. And I came back to Houston, which was home and wanted to focus on acquiring a business in the oil and gas industry. After searching for nearly 15 months, so a little over a year, I found a firm by the name of LK Industries, and purchased that company and started running it in 2015. I'll tell you this, the process of searching for a company to buy was certainly a thorough one. In my time, my partners and I had looked at 166 companies and we were really thorough about trying to find the right you know, small business to be able to operate. And LK Industries was really a great find for us because it was a business that had started in 1930, so it had a nice long operating history. The family was ready to sell, and it was, of course, in the oil and gas industry, so it was a good fit all the way around.
1: So what did that company do specifically?
0: Yeah, so LK Industries is a manufacturing company that makes oil testing equipment. Okay. Specifically, this company makes centrifuges and different kinds of glassware and other devices that are used for API and ASTM testing. And so
1: okay. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, customer base is... Companies that will be in the pipeline industry and the transport industry, like trucking companies, anyone who's picking up crude oil or moving crude oil, really the customer base that we service. Gotcha. And I'm still very much in the habit of saying we, although I've moved on from (laughs) from the company. After (laughs) Uh, You know, it's always something that'll stay kind of close to my heart here. And so I ran that business for almost five years. And in that time, we bought another company, a company by the name of Miller and Weber, Miller and Weber was a company out of New York that was a calibration business. And that company was a partner to us as they did a lot of calibrating of our equipment. And so the Miller and Weber and I had gotten to know each other and she had communicated that she was thinking of retiring and an option to buy her business presented itself. And so in 2016, Miller and Weber was purchased and was then integrated here in Houston. So we moved folks and equipment from New York to Houston and set up the shop here. And ran the combined firm for a couple of years, and then at the end of 2018, we sold the company to West, which is a, an acronym standing for Western Energy and Support Technology, which is a Colorado company that does a lot of work, similar in terms of uh, calibrations and manufacturing equipment. West played mostly on the gas side of the industry, and we're looking to get into the liquid side, and so LK was a good fit. And at the end of 2018, we sold the company, and, and West purchased it and. That was a great next step in the history of LK Industries. And Wes has been a a really valuable partner for the firm since that transaction took place.
1: That's awesome. That's awesome. And you took your baby and then you bought another one and then sold it off. And let's talk about what you're doing now.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I've recently started in a role with the Power Century, which is a company that is really a startup in a lot of ways. We are a company that is still very much growing and looking to, you know, commercialize our products. Even though we've gotten some sales to date, I like to think of us as a startup business. And we think that that's the right culture to have at the firm. Power Century, what we do is we have a couple of products that are all geared towards helping our customers reduce their lease operating expense and manage their power needs on site. And so we do that through two main products. First is a innovative product we call on-site storage. What this product does is it, captures the regenerative energy produced by a pump jack unit and so rather okay. than energy getting burned off as heat it actually gets captured by our system and stored and then as it's stored it's then released back out to the pump jack to reduce its power needs on the upstroke and so what we're able to do there is take energy that would otherwise be burned off and convert it right. to being recycled and reusable and ultimately lowering the power needs on site. And so we're excited to see that unit in operation on Bakken and the Permian in and down in South Texas. Got a good footprint of those units going and we're seeing real power savings for our customers that choose to use it. And really, in addition to being able to concretely say that we can save you money and with your lease operating expense, we also are allowing our customers to have Bit of an ESG component to what they're doing because not only are they saving money, but they're able to reutilize energy that would otherwise be wasted and they're increasing their ESG commitment and impacts in the oil and gas industry. Okay,
1: so it's, it's definitely specific to onshore versus offshore.
0: Okay, correct. And then we have a second product, which is our newer product. It's called the Electrical Ride Through or ERT as we call it in house. And this product basically serves as a backup power source to be utilized in the field. Where we typically see this application are for ESPs, so electronic submersible pumps, where any sort of interruption can be really distracting to operations and perhaps really costly if power all of a sudden interrupts and and therefore causes kind of ripple effects in the field. And so our ERT system provides an instantaneous power backup, giving customers an option to, if they lose power, to actually have enough power on site to do a controlled shutdown. Or to ensure just a limited interruption to their operations. And so we just started field trials on that very recently. And so we have some really strong customer partnerships that we are grateful to have. And we're getting those out into the field and looking forward to get some really good results throughout the summer.
1: Oh, that's that's great. I mean, that's that just eliminates risk. And good luck to you. So let me just kind of recap. So you got a full ride to a and You went to Anadarko, you worked for Concho, got your baby, you bought another. What are some of the really big challenges you've had to go through? Because I know you've been through a downturn or two.
0: Yeah, (laughs) I certainly have, have seen that. And, you know, they all feel a little different. But fortunately, there's, you know, some good learnings you can take and apply each time. You know, shortly after I had purchased LK Industries in 2015, you know, really the market was was falling pretty fast and so coming into a business and you, know, you come in as a kind of a bright-eyed and, and very energetic you know new operator and the market starts to crash and you start to find yourself with all these really good ideas of what you'd like to do to maybe improve the business or change the business and you realize you're just gonna kind of have to put those ideas on a shelf for a period of time while you navigate you know a down market and I think for me I think that was you know, there was a challenge there on trying to understand, you know, what was important and what was urgent and trying to decide between the two to make sure that we were focusing our time really on, you know, what was urgent. And that's where I think having the benefit of mentors or of, you know, folks that have just more experience in the industry really was was key. And I can talk about my investors as being mentors or folks I've worked in the industry with beforehand as being you know, mentors, but I I depended a lot on the employees that were here. We had a handful of employees that had been here for almost twenty years. These are folks that worked as managers at LK Industries, and you know, really being able to admit as I came into the business that I was the least experienced of, of this team, as I was the new owner, and really needed to depend on them to help me make the right decisions and make the right changes. And so, I think as you go through challenges, the people that you surround yourself with and the willingness to listen and and act think is really important. And I've been grateful that kind of as I've gone through each of these operational challenges or kind of ups and downs in the market, that I've had good teams around me that have helped us not only get through it, but get through it and come out stronger on the other end.
1: Excellent. So if you had one piece of advice to give our audience, what would it be?
0: Well, I think about that in a few different categories. I mean, the first for someone that's maybe on the kind of younger end of the spectrum, as I think back to being in my 20s, I think I had a real. Bit of uncertainty around what path to follow, particularly as I was graduating from business school and going to start my own fund and buy a company versus wanting to go back and kind of stay an engineer. And I ended up taking what I what I considered at the time to be maybe a bit more risky path, and but one that was filled with more excitement. So I encourage anyone that's maybe at the beginnings of their career that maybe has seen a couple of different opportunities ahead of them that look exciting, but they aren't really sure if they are ready to pursue it, I encourage them to go down the path that excites them most. I think, you know, early in your career, if you fail, you've got enough track left to run to where you can recover and you never want to look back and regret not having taken an option that was in front of you. So I think the piece of advice I want to give to folks kind of early in their career is really rooted around following what really excites you, be willing to take smart risks. And if you surround yourself by good people, you'll have the team that you need to solve challenges that you encounter.
1: Awesome. What book influenced you
0: the most and why? Yes, there's definitely a few that come to mind. You know, as I think about when I was in kind of in business school, some of the books that that I read that were ones that kind of meant a lot to me at the time was one called Good to Great. And that was a book that
1: mm-hmm. I've heard of that one.
0: Yeah, that was really helpful to read. And kind of some of the things that I took away from it were really impactful as as I kind of just think about what I wanted to do in, in building an organization and you know being able to study organizations in the past that had kind of gone through these evolutions and getting to understand and kind of learn from business history, I thought was really, uh, really helpful. And then another book that I, I read not that long ago, that's kind of more of a fun book that I just really have enjoyed and some of the habits that I kind of picked up on it were fun to hear about. But It's a book called Living with a Seal. So it's a book about a business entrepreneur who decides to actually have a Navy SEAL come and live with him for a period of time. And the Navy SEAL's job is to train this individual. And what you take away from that book is just the idea of like how important regiment is and a commitment to focus and kind of focusing on the most important goal and that being singularly what you get right. So that was more of a fun book to read. Actually, <laughs> took some interesting notes on that, and he just kind of puts you into the driver's seat of helping you feel motivated and and to push a little bit harder.
1: Excellent, excellent. What would you say is your most used business tool?
0: Well, think about it as a as a tool. I mean, I think honestly, where I get where I get a lot of value is out of making sure that I keep a very strong peer network. I'm going to think of that as a tool. There's probably different ways you could classify that, but I work very closely with a handful of other young professionals and I lean on that network quite extensively to be able to shoot ideas to help kind of get some maybe counterpoints of view on things that I'm considering in my business and these aren't necessarily with people that are in the oil and gas industry what I found is that you know if there is someone who just has a, a good business acumen and a set of experiences they can really offer a point of view that maybe I didn't consider in my bubble here of working in the oil and gas industry and while I think we often think about like mentors as being people that maybe have, you know, 10, 20 years, 30 years at something, I like to keep a peer network, which would be folks that are on the younger side of it, because some of what they can see and some of what their risk profile is and, and kind of the feedback they give is just really relevant to where I am in, in making my decision. And so I think of a, a very important business tool as being a peer network. And that's the one that I lean on quite a bit.
1: That's awesome yeah it's it's always great to have people with different perspectives around you. Who would you say is your most respected competitor?
0: Well, you know Power Century is a company that is kind of a little bit novel in some of what we're doing, and so I think to the extent that we picture ourselves as having a kind of a direct competitor that that market is a little bit still being developed. you know I'm not sure I can think of a direct competitor for Power Century as it stands today. If I kind of go back to other points in, in my career of where I had different competitors. Some of the folks that I worked against when I was running LK Industries, we competed with the firm by the name of Robinson Engineering out of Oklahoma. Really, really great group of individuals there. It's nice to have competitors that keep you on your toes, right?
1: (laughs) Right, yeah.
0: What I kind of look for from competitors are the folks that make you better. And certainly have seen that throughout some of my time in in running LK Industries. I look forward to the point in which Power Sentry, the company that I'm with today, can actually have built an industry, kind of built a niche within the industry where there is a very competitive landscape and hopefully will be the, you know, the leaders in that market.
1: Something else to look forward to. (laughs) (laughs) What's your most important lesson learned?
0: Great question. I have certainly made, you know, mistakes as I was learning to operate a business and learning how to kind of push through. I think the biggest lesson learned is early in my career, I might've been keen to want to say that, you know, with customers, you really have to make sure that you want to be able to bring them kind of a finished solution. You have to kind of only show your customer the finished product. And what I learned in running my, my small business at LK was that the best kind of customer relationships you can build are ones that are built in the trenches, right? Right. You make a mistake with the customer, but if you resolve it, I actually think your customer relationship comes out stronger based on how you went about resolution. And, that was one of the big takeaways I had in running my business: is that customers often, you know, were forgiving of mistakes or of of things that may occur. But as long as they could trust you to be able to make it right, you could really build a long time customer relationship. So I think the most important lesson I learned in operating was that your best customers are not simply transactional; it's more of customers want to build a long term partnership, and being able to bring them in to ask them for feedback to be able to ask them for help to ask them for to be a part of what you're doing in your own company will make the customer relationship that much stronger and and ultimately create more value for both
1: So in a way being transparent and true plays a big part of that trust right
0: Yeah that's absolutely right and I think you know it's being transparent and being true but once you kind of get into that rhythm you find that you have a different kind of operating mode where everyone kind of feels like they have a skin in the game to uh, being able to design new solutions or being able to innovate on a product. And you get to just a much better outcome than trying to do everything perhaps internally to be able to involve more external customers and partners in what you're doing.
1: Yeah. So why is your role now important to the future of the oil and gas industry?
0: Well, I think one of the things that is kind of a new field for, for me to play in, and one that Power Century is, Highlighting is the role of understanding how the role of ESG will be thought about in the oil and gas industry going forward. And you know, all the way from a kind of an investor mindset, ESG is becoming a much more important metric for the industry. Mm-hmm. make sure we're saying the same thing. It's environmental social governance. So this is really looking at how companies are thinking about their impact to the environment. And Power Century is, is on the kind of front end of, of being able to offer a product that can help with that. And so I think that this is only going to become more important as we go forward in the industry is, is for companies to start having actual formal ratings on their ESG compliance, for investors to more highly rate companies that take this into account. And I recognize that there's no substitute for good operations and kind of good return of capital and good profits. But As we think about multiple companies being able to do that, ones that can also highlight good ESG outcomes, I think will be more highly valued in the long term. And this is an area that I think is going to grow by leaps and bounds, and I would say the next 10 years. And I'm excited about being with a startup organization that's, that's building that into our DNA. And we'll certainly aim to make sure that everything we do going forward is reflective of not only the ability to help save our customers costs, but the ability to also increase ESG outcomes. And so I think that's a really exciting part of the role. I think it's a really important part of the industry and will be a growing part going forward.
1: Well, I'm excited for you. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) What's your favorite podcast?
0: Well, I do very much like this podcast, of course. (laughs) I also spend some time listening to Harvard Business School, the Harvard Business Review IdeaCast. Certainly, one that I listen to, and there's another one called. Well,
1: I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Considering you're a little partial.
0: Yeah, forgive me for that. There's certainly another one from HBS called Skydeck, and both of those are ones that I enjoy tuning into. You know, on a business front, and then kind of on a personal front, I will. I like to listen to any podcast or watch any sort of, you know, review on cars. I'm a big car fan, big truck fan. And so certainly my personal time, like to be able to listen to different sort of automotive reviews and things like that. So there's always a time to make sure you're sharpening your business skill sets, but there's time to have fun too. So.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you again for joining me today, Eric. If people want to reach out to you and or get to know more about Power Century, how can they go about doing that?
0: Absolutely. You can go to our website, which is powersentry.com. Sentry is spelled S as in Sam E N T R Y power and learn more about us there. There's also a contact us page there. So anyone looking to connect, you'll send a note through there. I'll, I will get it.
1: Okay. I'm also going to add your LinkedIn profile, which I think you need to
0: update,
1: but <laughs> <laughs> so people can reach out to you. On yeah, you still have me <laughs>
0: West, I think on the, on the profile. Yeah, it does. I'll get that (laughs) (laughs) change.
1: All right. So that concludes this episode. So just remember, it's up to you to open the next door. Now here's Events on Deck.
2: Hey, everybody. Alex here with the Events on Deck. So due to current circumstances, of course, we are not able to have any in-person events. So I have nothing of that nature to update you guys on. But we have been hosting some virtual events. So OGGN is wanting to offer free webinars, live happy hours, etc. during this time. Since these events are not scheduled out as far in advance as in-person events, we would like to keep you guys updated via Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. So be sure to keep checking up on that and we'll keep you guys posted on anything we're offering it has been free we want to offer you guys value during this time that we're all at home so please continue checking in and joining us for these virtual events we are looking forward to seeing you guys whenever we're able to have in-person events and hope you're staying safe and sound tune in next week
1: for another intriguing episode of oil and gas industry leaders podcast A production of the Oil and Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasindustryleaders.com.